In John 2, Jesus overthrows the tables in Jerusalem's temple. He makes a whip of cords and drives the people and animals out, declaring they were making his father's house a marketplace. This is quite the spring cleaning exercise, and there is a lot for us to discuss. So let's talk process. The Jerusalem temple is enormous, 40 plus acres of stone and courts and porticos and steps. It is big enough to handle thousands of people at one time. Pools line the outside of the ceremonial cleaning of animals, courtyards for Gentiles and courtyards for women to come and to experience God's holiness. King Herod has a temple in the inner sanctums. Then there's the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was and the chief priest reside. Each time, or at each of these levels, there are rituals and expectations and temple guards making sure that everyone is following and obeying the religious customs. And then in this context, Passover is near. This is one of the biggest Jewish festivals of the year. It's a huge deal. Thousands upon thousands come from all over for eight days. And the festivities are run by the religious leaders like the Pharisees and the priests. Passover celebrates the Exodus story when the Hebrew people are led out of Egypt by Moses. It's combined with the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, recognizing God providing food in the wilderness for Israel to survive. And since so many are making pilgrimage, money changers and cattle sellers ramp up their visibility. So this gets detailed, so stay with me, I'll try to explain it correctly. According to Leviticus 1 and 3, cattle, sheep, and doves were required for burnt offerings in the temple. And since people traveled from afar, they didn't travel with sheep or doves, So they bought what was needed at the temple. But since Caesar's face was on all of the currency, they couldn't use this kind of money to make a purchase. They had to exchange their Roman money for Tyrian coins. And of course, it was not a one-to-one exchange rate. Money changers were making a killing on this day. They're profiting on people's shame and feelings of duty. And Jesus noticed it and did something about it. Look at verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out all the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Jesus uses good guilt to name the tax collectors and Pharisees and money changers' behaviors and shows how what they were doing is casting and creating shame. They've exploited a system, preyed on everyone, and are taxing unfairly for people to have access to God. And this is not good. Now, I'll pause here and say, so far in the season of Lent, 
We've invited you to think deeply about the shame that you carry on the inside. But today's text, we need to see that shame is also something we dish out. The religious leaders and money changers created systems that forced people into shame. So Jesus completely shuts down that business of the temple for the entire day. On this day, there's no more sacrifices, no more animals, no more money to exchange. It's all gone for the whole day. And this is one of the most traveled days of the year. Thousands are in town. Thousands are looking to make a sacrifice. Thousands are going to the temple to prepare themselves and their families for the festival. But not today. Jesus has ransacked the sacred animals and thrown out the sacred coins. I wonder, in what ways do our religious organizations or business practices or systems that we live in exploit or diminish the poor? or impede people from accessing God. Whatever that is, if there is anything, for Jesus, it's wrong. We should never impede people from accessing God. If there is anything we're doing that does this, this is the shame we're dishing out. So think about how you shame others, the barriers that you erect and make others feel small or flawed. Even the things you say to others that make them feel wretched or broken. Whatever your actions are that impede others from accessing God or feeling like they can access God, then that is your form of shame. I think there's a real teaching lesson here for all of us. Now, we're shifting from a literal physical reading of the story to a more allegorical interpretation here, and that's fine as long as we're aware of it and we can do both. No doubt, John 2 is a cautionary tale towards businesses like payday lending firms or pharmaceutical companies who upcharge after securing a patent. No doubt, you can read John 2 saying it is criminal or a shame for the work that they do. But I want to frame this in the context of Lent. We've cluttered the temple of our lives the holy inner sanctums, with things that don't belong. And there needs to be a fresh cleaning. And that process takes introspection, repentance, and deep spiritual care. I'm convinced shame is one of those things that needs to be cleaned out. It keeps us from accessing the goodness of God ourselves. And it causes us to create barriers for others. We shame ourselves and we shame others. It's vicious on both ends. Okay, you may be wondering. I know that I carry shame. I'm willing to admit it. I get it. I, can, I want to repent of the fact that I've done it. And at times I've even been the one who shames others. But how do I clean it out? I'll go back to Dr. Brene Brown's work on shame here and tell you that there are some things that she says are absolute necessities. Compassion, courage, and connection. The only way that you can start the process of cleaning out your shame is that you have to have compassion on yourself and others. Shame makes us see ourselves and others as less than human. We become so flawed and we think we're irreconcilable that our humanity is just no longer noticed. Compassion reworks this for us. 
We must build the capacity to see others and ourselves with compassion. This is what Jesus does here for the people who are being shamed. He sees the struggle it is for them to access God and He has compassion on them. He also has courage. Jesus takes a huge risk attacking the religious order. He ransacks the temple on the most important travel day of the year. That takes courage. Now, I'm not sure you need to come into First Baptist and overturn the tables in the church, but you can make the connection here. If you're going to overcome shame in your life, if you're going to build a resiliency to it, it's going to have to be an act of courage on your part. There's an old story about a male warrior showing up to slay a dragon. It was mighty courageous for him to show up and to do so. But in that same story, there's a female warrior who shows up and instead of slaying the dragon, she tames it. Which one was more courageous, the male or female warrior? The truth is, they're both courageous. Courage isn't always a physical act. Sometimes taming that which is inside of us is just as courageous. And other times it means we need to remove those things that are a barrier. Whatever shame is doing to you, it will take courage for you to overcome it. And connection too. Jesus' act was done in the temple so ordinary people could connect and reconnect with God. To overcome shame, we will need one another. We will need compassion, courage, and connection. Dr. Brown is telling gospel truths here, even though she's a sociologist studying human behavior, because these three things are all present in Jesus' actions in John 2. Compassion, courage, connection. He showed tremendous compassion and tremendous courage and connection when he cleansed the temple. And if we want to move to a healthier form of spirituality, we're going to need to do that too. So like I said, it's a lot to chew on with this text. Depending on how you approach it, it really shows us different things. What I need us to think about this week is this. There are a lot of things that we keep stocked in our temples that need to be cleansed. Jesus demonstrates this in John 2, what needs to also happen inside of each of our souls. I think it's safe to say we've all got a lot of spring cleaning to do.